to our Wednesday night Bible study, um, where we take a book of the Bible and go through it verse by verse. Um, we are doing something a little bit differently starting this evening. We're going to take a jump back to the Old Testament, take a break from the New Testament just a little bit here, and uh, we're going to start with the start, Genesis, the very beginning. Now, uh, we will not, when we get to the Old Testament, we're not going to do every verse by verse, or you will all slip into a coma as I read who begat when and who and why and what tribe was related to who and would you get watch it and whatever and stuff. We, we will jump over those kinds of things and just go to the basic fundamental stories that are uh, that are important for us to know. Um, Genesis is uh, the really how the, the record of you know God dealing with with mankind uh, all the way up through the uh, death of Joseph, and uh, it's really fascinating. Um, there are some really bizarre things that happened, and uh, when I don't know. Why? I'll just tell you why. Uh, I don't claim to be the brightest guy in the world. I'll tell you what some other theologians and stuff say, but uh, that's basically it. I mean, some of the stuff is, is really, really strange. What's, what's interesting is uh, a lot of it's just historical, and from they just recorded some of the very bizarre things some of the people did, and uh, you'll see as we get into it, it's going to be rather fascinating. Uh, it's a big book. Again, we'll just try to get to the basic uh, parts of it. But uh, we're going to go ahead and start at the very beginning and work our way through it. Y'all ready? Genesis. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. It didn't just happen by itself. There just wasn't a cosmic burp somewhere that created the heavens and the earth. God created it he made it he's the author that established the whole thing but now here's a real interesting uh step as we go to the second verse check this out now the earth was formless and empty darkness was over the surface of the deep and the spirit of god was hovering over the waters now why that's bizarre is for this reason Why would God make something formless, empty, dark, covered in water with the Spirit of God hovering over the top of it? I will give you my theory of why that is, and certainly some theologians uh, agree with this, is that there's a huge jump between verse 1 and verse 2. God created the heavens and the earth Boom! Something happened. And now the earth was formless and empty and darkness was over the surface of the deep. Let me tell you what I believe happened. Um, uh, As I've spoken to you before on this issue, I believe that the reason we're here, even on the earth, is we are in the greatest halftime of any conflict ever in the history of the universe. What has just happened was there was this incredible rebellion in the heavens. Lucifer gets one-third 
of heaven to rebel against God. What an incredible feat that was. You got to hand it to him. He's quite the deceiver. It's one thing for him to trick and deceive you and me who are locked in this carnal body and with our limited senses and knowledge of God. Uh, That's got to be a piece of cake for him. He deceived angels in heaven with God, experiencing everything we are looking forward to experiencing. In that context, he was able to pull off an incredible rebellion. It wasn't just Lucifer and half a dozen guys. It wasn't just Lucifer and a few hundred or a few thousand. One third. Now, how many is that? I have no idea. Uh, I do know this. God tends to be kind of big when he does stuff. If you doubt that, go look at the stars. You know, if it were me, I'd have hung, you know, three or four. Okay, we've got stars. Let's move on. All right. But just galaxies. Just so we could have a wonderful perspective in the heavens. I mean, this is truly incredible. It had to be just a huge amount of people. Now, the Bible tells us in Isaiah that when Satan fell, that that when God cast Satan down, he fell to the earth. And uh, uh, my feeling or, or view of this is, this is immediately after the fall. And when Satan plummets out of heaven, Uh, Like a rocket uh, being thrown down. Jesus said, I saw Satan fall to the earth. I mean, it was a major deal. Boom! And I think it totally destroyed whatever life was here on the earth. People often ask the question, you know, what? where did dinosaurs come from and and this and that and the other and stuff like that? Um, It is my opinion and of some Bible scholars, everybody's got their own view of this. I wasn't there, I'm not sure. But uh, uh, that what happened was, boom, life came to a sudden stop on earth. And from that time on, whatever life forms were on the earth at the time, uh, ceased to live and ceased to exist. My guess is would, this would be this uh, more of the prehistoric creation that was on the earth at the time. Uh, some Bible scholars uh, actually believe that there was uh, even uh, people Uh, pre-Adamite people on the earth who knows but this is their their uh, theory and that when the earth was destroyed these creatures became disembodied spirits that are so uncomfortable being disembodied and that's the spirits of Satan that um, try to possess people and so all kinds of theories nobody knows I mean God knows but we don't know but all we do know is that something had to have happened. And that's why I think this was immediately after the conflict. Otherwise, it doesn't make sense. Why would God make something formless, empty, and void with darkness and the Spirit of God going, whoa, over the top? So we believe this is immediately after this conflict. Now, the interesting thing here is that obviously Satan got people to doubt that God cared about them. I'm sure that's what he convinced all these angels It's the same thing he tries to convince you of. That God doesn't care about you. God isn't concerned about you. God isn't worried about you. God is too busy to really... He's the same kind of lies that he's always used. He's not terribly original. But then again, he doesn't have to be. He's extremely effective. You got something that works, man. You move on with it, right? Why change the formula? And uh, it's the same formula he's been using on mankind ever since. 
But he gets this incredible conflict, creates this huge doubt in a third of heaven. They have this big rebellion. God flicks them like a booger to the earth. Down they go. And, but all that has been decided at this point is who's stronger. Right? For example, if I, you know, think Pastor Lathan is wrong about something. And I confront him. And he bops me in the head and knocks me out. Which would probably be an easy task for him. Uh, it just means that he's better at hitting than I am. Do you understand what I'm saying? Nothing's been settled. I might still think he's wrong, but he's just overpowered me. Okay? This question mark is still hanging over eternity. I truly believe that. That's what this is all about. So here's this question. Does God really care? Does God really care? Does he really care about, about his uh, creatures? So he knocks Satan down, and all of heaven's going, whoa. And then God is flowing over the waters of the earth. And he starts dinking around. And he creates what we know as life on earth now. Let's take a look at it. Verse 3, And God said, let there be light. Turns on the light bulb, and there's light. And God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness, called the light day, the darkness he called night. There was evening, and there was morning the first day. And God said, let there be an expanse between the waters to separate water from water. So God made the expanse and separated the water under the expanse from the water above it. And so it was, and God called the expanse sky. And there was evening and there was morning the second day. And God said, let the water under the sky be gathered into one place and let dry ground appear. And it was so, God called the dry ground land and he gathered waters he called seas. And God saw that it was good. Again, if you take the the view of what I just said to you, which you may or not buy, and again, doesn't really matter. I'm just telling you what I think this this is. If if what I'm saying to you is correct, then what he's really doing is he's restructuring things. Okay? Huge judgment falls on the earth. Boom, Satan falls. Everything goes chaotic. And it's like he's putting things back. And then God said, let land produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants, trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it, according to the various kinds, and it was so. The land produced vegetation, plants bearing seed according to their kinds, and the trees bearing fruit with seeds and according to their kinds, and God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the third day. You keep seeing this over and over again. Evening and morning the third day. Uh, To this day, uh, in the Jewish mindset, the next day begins at evening. We think of time being in 24 hours. That the next day begins at midnight. You know, then there's the next day. A very scientific way of dividing things out in, in the Jewish mindset. As soon as evening happens tonight, as soon as the sun goes down, it becomes Thursday. Until the next day when the sun goes down again, and it'll be Friday. Uh, sometimes when we have like days of fasting or prayer or something like that, we'll do it from sundown to sundown that's just because of the biblical thing does you can do it any way you want but i'm just saying that that's that's why they did that uh that's why uh, for the for the jew the sabbath begins friday night when they crucified jesus on friday and they were in a panic to quick get him down and and get everything away why because the sabbath was coming as soon as friday night kicks in it's saturday uh and that's all goes back to this first recording in the book of Genesis. Uh, by the way, written by Moses. These first five books are written by Moses. 
which is kind of funny because at one point he writes that Moses was the most humble man on the face of the earth. He wrote that. Uh, anyway, <laughs> I am the most humble man alive. Trust me. Uh, and God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the sky to separate the day from the night and let them serve as signs to mark seasons and days and years and let them be lights in the expanse of the sky to give light on the earth. And it was so. God made two great lights, the greater light to govern the day, the lesser light to govern the night. He also made the stars. God set them in the expanse of the sky to give light on the earth, to govern the day and the night, and to separate light from darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening. And there was morning. The fourth day. And God said, let the water teem with living creatures and let birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the sky. So God created the great creatures of the sea and every living and moving thing with which the, water, uh, with which the waters teems according to their kinds, every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. God blessed them and said, be fruitful and increase in number and fill the water in the seas and let the birds increase on the earth. And there was evening and there was morning. The fifth day. And God said that the land produced living creatures according to their kinds, livestock, creatures and move that move along the ground, and wild animals, each according to its kind. And it was so. God made the wild animals according to their kinds, the livestock according to their kinds, and all the creatures that move along the ground, creepy curly things, according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. And then God said, Let us make man in our image, in our image now we see the plural the plural used in god let us make god man in our image this is where we get the first picture of the trinity okay uh, this multiple being but yet just one which who can figure that out i mean it's just it's beyond our understanding but that's what it is he said let's make man in our image in our likeness and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air over the livestock over all the earth and over all the creatures that move along the ground, all the creepy curly guys. So, basically, God says, let's make man in our image. He's going to look like us. Now, there's some debate what that means in our image. Is it, do we re- does God really kind of look physically like us? There's people that debate it in different ways. I'll tell you what I think. I think, yeah, I think really physically we kind of look like God. I think it's one of the things that just ticks the devil off every time he sees us. He's reminded of God. He just hates us. He hated God. Now there's little gods walking around. <laughs> See, I don't believe that. I don't care. You know, just, <laughs> who cares? They're going to argue about stupid stuff like this. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So man is a term referring to both men and women. For those of you who are offended in the word man. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Anybody got a King James Bible? What is your Bible? How's it read there? Uh Uh-huh. 28. What's verse 28 say? Right there. And what? Read replenish the earth see now the King James Bible uh, translates it that way Uh, the newer ones don't say that because it doesn't make sense well they can't have meant replenish but a lot of people argue that literally the text says replenish the earth God was telling them do this and replenish the earth why would one replenish the earth if the earth hadn't been plenished in the first place 
You follow me? That's where we get the idea that he is basically not creating everything from point zero again, but refilling the earth after this incredible cataclysmic fall uh, that Satan had. Okay? So, uh, but in the newer translations, it doesn't say that. Uh, they cut out the replenish part, but I just thought you'd be interested in hearing that. So, replenish the earth, he says, and subdue it. Rule. He tells men to rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, over every living creature that moves on the ground. We are the top of the food chain, boys and girls. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. Uh, God starts out making mankind strict vegetarians. It's true. It was their only food was from fruits and nuts. We're a bunch of fruits and nuts. I don't know. That's, that's how they started out. We will see later where God changed the rules. And he says, now you can start eating animals. Because another cataclysmic event occurs. Anybody know what it is? You want to cheat? The what? The flood. Thank you. English. The flood. After the flood. And we're going to talk about that in more detail. What happened? Again, a major change in the structure of earth after that flood. This was no small deal. From that time on, God instructed people that you could now also eat animals. Up to the, In the beginning, it wasn't so. They were all vegetarians. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds of the air and all the creatures that move on the ground, everything that has breath and life in it, I give every green plant for food. So he tells all the critters, you can eat the green things and... Uh, that'll be your food, and the fruits and stuff like that are for the people. So God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. There was the evening, and there was the morning, which was the sixth day. Thus, verse 1 of chapter 2, Thus the uh, heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array, and by the seventh day God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day he rested from all his work, and God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. Because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. Now, let's talk about this a little bit. Uh, Do we literally believe it was um, 24 hours, days that God did this? Um, I do. Okay. Um, Some people say, well, he was speaking metaphorically in time. And it really meant billions and billions and billions of years. Uh, I don't think so. If you think that, knock yourself out. I don't care. You know, it's, I'm going to argue about it. Just who cares? Okay? Because some people, here's, here's where I think it does make a difference. Because some people look and say, God couldn't have done it in a day. Me, I look and go, what took him so long? Honestly, my view of God, it took him a week to get all this done. Because in my, man, God is like, hoochie mama, boom, things can happen. Okay? Uh, and, and this whole concept of now he rests on the seventh day. You think, was he tired? Was he, had he expended so much energy that it was that kind of rest? Or there's some kind of spiritual rest? There's all kinds of thinking and stuff about, you know, who knows? I mean, people can tell you what they think and you can think it all through. All we know is that God created, according to the Bible, the earth in six days. 
And on the seventh day, he rested. I don't think he rested, you know, for 10 billion years. That wasn't the seventh day. If you think he did, go with that. All right. So there we have the whole deal, okay? Then at verse 4, it's like he rewinds. And he goes into more detail. So he just went through the whole thing, talked about creating all these things, setting everything straight, putting, as, as I believe, put everything kind of back in order, all right? And, and uh, which explains, again, so much evidence from fossils of just a totally different kind of world. That kind of makes sense, right? Now, whether that's exactly what happened, I don't know. But I, I think, I don't think he put tyrannosaurus on the ark with him and stuff like that. I think they're already all dead. Um, so, uh, so all that happens, and then he rests, and da 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 Now, then... Uh, he backs up and he says this is the account of the heavens and the earth when they were created when the Lord God made the earth and the heavens and no shrub of the field had yet appeared on the earth and no plant of the field had yet sprung up for the Lord had not yet sent rain uh, on the earth Uh, and there was no man to work the ground but streams came up from the earth uh, another word that could be translated there, you might see it in your own notes in your Bible, is it could, it could be in a mist. Um, a lot of people believe that uh, there was more mist, the way that the world was being replenished with, um, with moisture was more via a mist that would appear and dew every morning that was very thick. Uh, some theologians actually interpret some of this that it didn't really start raining until rain kicked in on the flood. That there was a whole different ecosystem that, uh, uh, I'll explain to you when we get to the flood thing. I, again, I'm just throwing you their theory. I wasn't there. It doesn't matter. It doesn't mean anything, but it's just kind of interesting. But uh, that, I just wanted to point out that, that idea of, the, uh, of mist, they translate streams here, came up from the earth and watered the whole surface of the ground. So before all that, the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils, nostrils the breath of life and the man became a living being. Now, uh, do I think God literally got down with his hands in the dust of the earth and formed a man? I do. I just take it literally. I believe that. Um, what I will say is this. If you think, no, this thing took gazillions of years to just kind of happen. Not honestly, but God actually did it, but over gazillions of years. I don't have a problem with that. Um, what I have a problem with is that the people who come from that mindset, especially the uh, evolutionists and all that kind of stuff, basically try to say that man is no different than the animals. Okay? One could argue, in a sense, that even if you believe it happened in one day, God said to the earth, bring forth animals. And it might have been the fastest evolution process you ever saw in your life. One turns into another, one turns into another, zing, 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 just, you know, who knows. But it's interesting. He didn't just command the earth to bring forth man. He spoke. That's the power of God's word, by the way. God said, make this happen. Let this happen. Let the, and it just happened. That's the power of God's word. That's the very beginning sense that gives you the idea that you can trust what God says. Because he has the power and the chutzpah to back it up. Okay, when he speaks, things happen. He was the first E.F. Hutton, if you remember that commercial. But uh, anybody remember that commercial? You geezers like me, yeah. When E.F. Hutton speaks, people listen. When God speaks, the universe listens. Things happen. 
And he spoke and this happened. And he spoke and that happened. He said, bring forth birds and animals and creepy crawly things and all these stuff. He just, but when it came to man, he came down and formed him. And he breathed into our nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living soul. Now, we're different than the chickens and the squirrels and the bugs and the frogs and the lizards. Okay? I don't think those guys go to heaven. I don't think there's a chicken heaven. Or if, if so, you know, they really hate the colonel. But, uh, but, uh, <laughs> I don't know why you come to listen to me. But anyway, um, but, you know, I don't think it was a cat heaven, a dog heaven, despite what the movie said. I don't know if all dogs go to heaven. But uh, uh, the difference between animals and people, while that's life form, man becomes a living soul when God breathes the breath of life into his nostrils. Um, if you want to believe that we all evolved from critters and slimy things and stuff like that, knock yourself out again. It doesn't matter to me. But not when it comes to man. If you believe all that, great for you. But I'm telling you, when it came to man, we did not crawl out of the slime. We didn't fall from a monkey. We didn't come from a critter. We came from the hand of God. And he breathed into man the breath of life. All right, so he becomes a living being. Then verse 8, it says, Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east, in Eden. It had to be one groovy garden. I mean, when God takes enough time to say, you know, I mean, make a little garden here. You know, he does stuff extremely well. It had to be extremely cool. And you say, Is, was that a literal garden? Yes, it was. In fact, the Bible even tells you exactly where it was. Check it out. So there he put the man he had formed. He makes this garden. He puts man in there. And the Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground. Trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. Remember that's how they ate. In the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now a a river watering the garden flowed from Eden. And from there it was separated into four headwaters. The name of the first was Pison. It winds through the entire land of Havilah, where there is gold. The gold of that land is good. Aromatic, resin, and onyx are also there. The second, uh, the name of the second river is uh, Jihan, Gihon, however you say it. It winds through the entire land of Cush. The name of the third river is the Tigris. It runs along the east side of Asher. And the fourth river is the Euphrates River. Now, two of these rivers will probably ring a bell in your head, the Tigris River and the Euphrates River. And the other two are called something differently today. But there are these four rivers that join together at one spot. And where that spot is, is like on the uh, border uh, between Iraq and Iran. Uh, And it all goes uh, like right at the tip of the, uh, what is that? Gulf, the Gulf, Persian Gulf, I think it was the Gulf of Mexico, wasn't there, <laughs> that beat the Mississippi River, and it wasn't, it wasn't there, the, the Persian Gulf, um, and uh, so I mean it literally physically shows us where this garden was located, and uh, it's real interesting because all of uh, you know, the brilliant minds and stuff like that, all admit that they call Iraq and around this area, they call it the birthplace of civilization. This is where they, this is the earliest signs of life on earth. Wow, what a surprise. 
they agree with the Bible. Okay, so it literally was there. Uh, Pretty amazing, huh? Now the Lord took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. Uh, And the Lord, oh by the way, I was reading some theologian today, but uh, uh, they believe that the garden, uh, apparently there's some historical fact that the, uh, the, the Persian Gulf is much higher than it ever was that at some time in the past or whatever. And they believe whatever, wherever that garden was, is completely flooded out and under sea. And nobody can get to it. Anyway, and the Lord God commanded the man, after he puts him in the garden, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat of it, you will surely die. Now, um, notice the command, because the devil's going to come and he's going to exaggerate and twist the command which I preached on a, a few weeks ago. That's the tactic of the enemy. Question, exaggerate. Question, exaggerate. Question, exaggerate. Mess people's heads up. Uh, and how we often get caught up in that little game. We should not. But all God said to him is, look, you can eat any tree in the garden. It's all game for you. Except for one. The knowledge of the tree of good and evil. Don't eat that one. If you eat of it, you will surely die. Um, what is this? What he's doing now is he's making man, giving him free choice. If he's in an imperfect environment and nothing's ever, you know, no temptation's ever there, there's no point of reference for him to choose to be obedient to God. Now, of all the rules in the world to obey, you would think this would be a pretty simple one. You know what I'm saying? Of course, we all know they couldn't even handle the one. But, uh, <clears throat> but that was it. And the Lord God said, take a look at Adam. Adam's walking around. He's grooving. He's happening. He's checking out life. And God says, yikes. It is not good for the man to be alone. This boy needs some help. (laughs) I wonder how long that took for him to dawn on that. Probably about 20 minutes. What is he doing? What is this? What is this? He needs some help. What is the matter with this guy? No direction, dinking around, playing video games. I don't know what he's doing. Anyway, <laughs> I will make a helper suitable to him. So God's concerned now, I need a helper suitable for him. Man is aware that something's not right. Something's not right. He's by himself. Now, now check out this next thing. This is like bizarre. But this is the this is the record of what happened. Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the beasts of the field and all the birds of the air and he brought them to man to see what he would name them. And whatever he, the man named each living creature that was his name. So man names all the animals. God doesn't name it. He puts man in charge. Why? God's a delegator. Always has. Uh, and, and he still does that to this day. God loves to use people. He just loves to use. That's why you're here. That's why he's working in your life. He wants to use you to touch other people's lives. You would think if he wanted to touch your neighbor's life, all he had to do was show up and appear on his TV screen or something. Say, hi, I'm God, repent. You know, but he doesn't do that. He wants to, he delights in using people. He's always been that way. So he lets man name all the creatures. Chicken, frog, lizard, whatever. He gives them all names. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds of the air, and all the beasts of the field. But... For Adam, no suitable helper was found. Thank God. Dude, but don't be looking at that orangutan. That ain't going to work. No, man. No, man. No, come on. 
I've heard some great sermons on this, and there's a lot of smarter guys than me and stuff. But uh, but 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 how how Adam needed to see that out of all other creation, there was nothing else quite right for him. I don't think God was really trying to check out the chickens and lizards and stuff and see one of these guys would work out. All right, it was just for Adam. He was looking at all this stuff, and after he got done with this, you know, it's like you know, there's there's nobody there that's quite right for me. So the Lord caused, the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. God is the first anesthesiologist. And, uh, which is amazing. I mean, that's how they operate on people today. They put them into a deep sleep. And that's what God did to him. And while he was sleeping, he took one of man's ribs and then closed up the place with flesh. And the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man. And he brought her to the man and the man said ho chi mama <laughs> now this beats an orangutan and a day this puts the chickens and lizards to shame I feel moved in my spirit when I see this thing And he says, this now is bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of a man. And for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother. You got that right. (laughs) Why'd you leave your mom? Shake it out. Uh, (laughs) Anybody see me on James Robinson? On the last few days, yeah. All three people watch Christian television. That's very spiritual. All right. <laughs> Hate for that to interfere with your Gilligan Island reruns, but uh. <laughs> but he asked me a question because I was talking about the challenges of men and women and stuff like that. And he says, "So why do people get married in the first place, Mark?" And I said, "I know why I did." Anyway, <laughs> it was for this reason right here. Hope your mama. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and they will become one flesh. Somebody say amen. Amen. (laughs) Now we're preaching. All right. Anyway. (laughs) Moving on. The man and his wife were both naked. Yeehaw. And they felt no shame. I presume it was warm. Man, man, something ain't feeling right, you know. What a drag. What do you do with your hands? You know what I'm saying? It's like... It's <laughs> just kind of hard to relate to it. I mean, you know, this is a little drafty here. But anyway, they're both just naked as jaybirds, and they, they were fine with that. And, uh, and, and, and then we get to chapter 3. Now we get the Satan comes along and inspires this animal now it says the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals of the, that the lord god had made what does that mean i have no idea apparently the animals had personalities uh, but anyway this is great anyway satan inspires this thing that's what i was talking about a couple of weeks ago satan loves to also use things and people but i don't think it's out of compassion i think it's out of arrogance remember he's satan the main reason he fell from God is he looked in the mirror one day and said, wow, that is a good looking man. And he fell in love with himself. 
And he said, man, I'm something else. He was the most beautiful of all angels. If anybody that's good looking has got to be in charge. Now, I don't think he used that to inspire the angels. I don't think they cared what he looked like. What he inspired them with, I believe, was this doubt of God caring and questioning God's judgment. But his motivation was vanity. And now he comes, gets knocked out on his keister, hits the earth, boom, cataclysmic destruction on the earth. God comes back in, straightens everything out, and he starts dinking around. And he's playing in the dust. And he's making people. And he's got critters and grippy crawly things and all this stuff. And Satan has to be looking with such incredible disgust and hatred. If his hatred was ever at a high point, this had to be it. He had just been humiliated and hated God. And he was powerless to do anything about it. And then God makes these things that kind of look like him. And how he hated and how he must have been disgusted by it. I said, look at these things. They can't fly. They get tired. They got to take a nap. I mean, what is this? They sleep. He despises people. He despised us from the beginning. And he despises you. And he will do whatever he can to wreck your life. Jesus says the devil has come to rob, kill, and destroy. That is his job. He hates you. If for no other reason then you remind him of God. And out of his arrogance, he doesn't come and speak to the woman. I'm not talking to her. I just work through this serpent. So the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God made. And he said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Here we go again, exaggerating, exaggerating, questioning, exaggerating. Why does the pastor exaggerate? What is this problem? What does it mean? Does it mean this? You know, don't get caught up in all that kind of stuff. It's bad behavior. And the woman makes this fatal mistake. She tries to reason with the devil. Don't reason with the devil. You need to reason, just rebuke him. But the woman starts entering into a conversation with the serpent. He says, she says, well, we can eat fruit from the trees of the garden. Remember, he just exaggerated. So you can't eat from any tree of the garden? No, no, we, we can eat from trees of the garden. Uh, but uh, God did say, you must not eat the fruit uh, from the tree that's in the middle of the garden. And you must not touch it. Did God say you couldn't touch it? She's exaggerating. I'm telling you, you get this exaggerating thing going, exaggerating. Be careful. Be on your guard. Again, I just preached this, but just underline it again. Don't be caught up into questioning and exaggerating. Why are things like this? Do they not care about people? You know, why is this? You know, by the way, don't, you know, I, I preached a couple of weeks ago about how people take bad, selfish behavior and then they spiritualize it, right? And then I say, you can pretty it up as much as you want, but it's still sin and it's wrong. And I use the inglorious phrase of, you can take a dog turd and pretty it up, but at the end of the day, it's still a dog turd, right? I had a few people say, why did you call me a dog turd? I didn't call anybody a dog turd. I said, this kind of behavior is like 
prettying up something that's smelly and icky. Okay? I called no one a doctor. I may think it from time to time. But I did not call... No, I... Goodness gracious. You know, spiritualizing stuff. You know, it's like, we don't gossip in the church. No, 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 no. We need to pray. I'm like, oh, listen, we need to pray for Pastor Mark. Really? Yes, I think he's lost his mind. Yes, yeah, yeah, he's rambling. He's an idiot. He doesn't, you know, or we need to pray for Sister So and So. Yeah, why is that? Well, I hear she's having problems in her marriage. A lot of people don't know that. But uh, dude, it's called gossip. But we spiritualize it. Hold on, we weren't gossiping. We were praying. My foot. Anyway, so you can't even touch it, or you will die. And then the serpent comes in after getting them to question and exaggerate. He thou contradicts. Oh, you won't die. The serpent said to the woman, For God knows that when you eat it, eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, She took some and ate it. And she also gave some to her husband, who was with her. Just standing there going. I can't put my hands anywhere. I'm naked. Yes, I. there like a moron he wasn't manning up man he was the first girly man he was being a girly man there just being quiet and letting somebody lie to his wife and taking their family straight to hell and said nothing did nothing it was his job to take care of the garden when that serpent came in lying like that he should have kicked that serpent out on his butt I don't know if serpents had butts. But they don't anymore. When God kicks your butt, you just a slimy thing without a butt on the ground. It's like that. (laughs) When the woman saw that it was good, so she gave it to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized something was wrong. (laughs) I feel a little embarrassed right about now. You aware that we're naked? And 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 uh, so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. By the way, it's interesting what they covered. They covered and they were ashamed of the parts that made them different. They didn't cover their hands which reached and grabbed for the fruit. They didn't cover their eyes that got them to stare at it and get attracted to it in the first place. They didn't cover their mouths which caused the sin by eating that which they weren't supposed to eat. No, they covered the stuff that was different. We're different. Men and women have been having problems with their differences ever since. Isn't that amazing? Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord as he was walking in the garden. 
in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called out to the man, Where are you? I have a pretty good idea he knew. But he's calling out, Where? Adam? Adam. Adam. I tell you what, people have been hiding from God ever since. See, sin makes you run away from God. What they should have done is run to him as fast as they possibly could. Thrown themselves at the feet of God. In tears asking for forgiveness. But there's something about the nature of sin. It makes you want to run away from God. That's why people don't want to come to church. They don't want to hear things about God. There's nothing about God. It's just, oh, all this God stuff. Oh, why? They're, they're so steeped in their sin. And it makes them want to keep away from God. Where, Adam, where are you at, man? And he answered, I, I, I heard you in the garden and, and I was afraid because I was naked. So, so I hid. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? And the man said, Well, it was the woman you gave me. I would have been fine, honestly. But you gave me the Ho Chi Mama chick. And, and, and it, this is the problem the woman you gave me. He's indirectly accusing God. Is that amazing? People get into the worst of circumstances because of their own sin and their own bad, foolish decisions and behaviors. And to whom are they quick to point the finger of blame? To God. They blame God for their misfortune. They blame God for the difficulties in their lives. They just, they don't be blaming God. God is not to blame about anything. But he says, hey, is that, that woman you, you gave me, she gave me some fruit and, and I ate it because, because she gave it to me. And, and that's why I ate it. <laughs> then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you have done? And the woman said, well, it was, it was that serpent. He deceived me. And I ate. Finger pointers. And to this day, people do not want to point inwardly. It's everybody else's fault. It's his fault. It's her fault. It's my parents' fault. It's my boss's fault. It's my obnoxious pastor's fault. It's somebody's fault. And this and I'm not getting that and I should this and it's not me. It's never me. It's somebody else. No, it's you. (laughs) Don't you feel good now? Our sins, we fall into trouble. The serpent deceived me and they pointed right away with pointing fingers at everybody else. So the Lord God says to the serpent, 
because you have done this. Now this is, again, this is fascinating. I don't get it. I don't understand. You know, honestly, first of all, if a snake is talking to you, that should be alarm number one. (laughs) Did critters talk back then? I don't know. I mean, just bizarre. But apparently this creature was complicit in this in some way. Uh, and he says, because you've done this, cursed are you above all the livestock and all the wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. And now speaking in a greater sense to Satan, I will put enmity between you and the woman and her offspring, uh, and between your offspring and hers, and her offspring will crush your head and you will strike his heel. It's the first prophecy of the Messiah. He's saying to Satan, what has happened here? There's going to be enmity between you and the woman. And someday her offspring will crush your head. And that offspring was Jesus, the Christ, the son of the living God. Hallelujah. Woo! I love it. Anyway, to the woman he said, I will greatly increase your pains in childbearing. Can anybody say amen to that? Yeah, not the men. Uh, With pain you will give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband. Stop and think about that. That's part of the curse. I'm a little insulted by this. (laughs) Woman, I'm going to punish you. You're going to want that guy. And women to this day have been wanting guys and they have no idea why. We, we will pick it up there for next week and uh, continue on. <laughs> uh, I don't know if you're learning anything, but it's fun. Uh, have the ushers come on down and we will take our, our evening uh, offering. Uh, a lot of people aren't able to be here on Sundays, so they actually come uh, on Wednesday nights, it's time for them to give in the, in the offerings. Others like to give extra. That would be great. Um, some of you, even by choice, you'd rather come to this service than on a Sunday morning service. Uh, that's great. I have absolutely no problem with that at all. I'm just glad that you come and worship and get involved and, and hear the word. Uh, let's thank God for his blessings to us. Father, we thank you for your abundant blessings to us and your kindness to us, Lord. And in spite of our sin and our mistakes and our failures, incredibly God you absolutely are crazy in love with us we thank you for that I don't think I'll ever understand why but you do and it's wonderful and thank you for your blessings and thank you for giving us jobs and giving us opportunities to earn income and provide for the needs of our families God we now give back to you a portion of the blessings that you've bestowed upon us and bless each one as they give Father I pray in Jesus name everybody said Amen